Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. But I think when someone actually loves something the way that he loved the game of basketball, there are going to be moments. And the thing I admired about him then and I admire about him is that the focus and determination in which he brought that energy every single day. You know, people talk about being great. People, you know, talk a lot of, you know, things that they want to do. But here was a man that put it on the line every single day. And he brought it in practice. He brought it in the game. He brought it in every aspect of his life. He really, um, you know, his life was basketball. And the thing that all athletes have to, you know, they have to confront themselves with is when the, the sport has to remain number one in your life. And truly, that's what basketball was for him. I think episode seven and eight of The Last Dance, gentlemen, I think we had the two best episodes so far. Oh, boy. Loved episode seven and eight of The Last Dance. They were outstanding, but this has been so intriguing. Like the Rodman stuff, I thought, was also outstanding. I thought that episode seven probably gave us the most in-depth look into who Michael Jordan is that we that we sort of knew but didn't know. Episode eight and his dad, you know, at the end he comes back and wins the championship against the Sonics and him crying. Now, that's the first time that I think we've heard the audio of him actually heave heave crying. Like we had seen that video a lot, but hadn't heard him heave crying. But I think episode seven gets credit for giving us, for actually delving down and him finally, I guess as part of the agreement, (laughs) opening up and going through his construction of why he was so competitive. But. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying this is the greatest documentary of all time, you know, so Ken Burns can relax. But I but I am saying if you're a sports fan and you're interested in a guy like Jordan or a guy like Kobe, this is as interesting as it gets given the real access that you're going to get. Yes, it is. This is this is going to wind up being one of the most comprehensive looks at one of the most intriguing teams and figures in American history. I'm not saying it's, you know, obviously we don't get into Jordan's personal life a lot outside of the gambling stuff. And there's there's like more layers that would be uncovered if it was a full-on objective deep dive into this. But in terms of a team that really has like, the, for as famous as Michael Jordan was and for as wildly popular and in the spotlight mm-hmm. as the 90s Bulls were, you know, it's been 20 plus years and we've never had this kind of a deep dive into those teams because they were also 10 years before the social media era, too. Right. And and 10 years before, like, 
having their own Instagram accounts where you could just sort of see their personalities like we see now with Kevin Durant and LeBron James, et cetera, et cetera. But, and the thing that strikes me, too, about this look at Jordan and the uh, ultimately the 98 Bulls that is interesting is this. How many teams and star, or not star, that, that's, too, um, that's not a strong enough word, superstar, transcendent players, are interesting enough where you want this? Like, if we went back and looked at Derek Jeter and the Yankees, and Derek Jeter's not Jordan, but, you know, an outstanding player. But if we went back and looked at the late 90s, early 2000 Yankees, here is a 10-part series. I think two parts in, you'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going to go watch right. Netflix again. Yeah, like, I would I would watch something on those, I, but I wouldn't be, like, counting down the minutes on a Sunday until 8 o'clock when I get to die, and then counting... And hoping to preserve the minutes between 8 and 10 o'clock, hoping that the clock stops. Has two hours ever gone so fast as well? I mean, every Sunday, it's amazing. I look at the clock, and it's 8. And then I look at the clock, and it's 8.35. And then I look at the clock, and it's 9.05. But this is just, it's the perfect storm because the team and Phil Jackson and Rodman and Pippen are certainly interesting subjects. But then it's also raised by the fact that the guy who was their star player is one of the greatest athletes in history, and he is for for his sport. So don't get me wrong. As a person, I don't know, but for his sport, he is uh, you know he is an incredibly complex person for the sport he played, for what he did in that sport. So could you do a ten part series in twenty years on on LeBron and what he went through and LeBron the person? Absolutely, and I think there's layers there. I think LeBron is a lot deeper person. Like off the court, his works. LeBron has more empathy. Yes, but but if you're if we're just talking because Phil, your point's a great point. If you think about this one, we're not delving into Michael Jordan's family. Like you could go. I think that there. I mean, we we've all read the stories. You could go if you delved into Jordan's kids, which of course he would not allow you near, or his marriage. Right? If you got into that, that's a whole different side. We are literally taking the surface of this person just as a player. Mm -hmm. And it's, to me, so interesting to watch because how many truly great, great players, and LeBron does not qualify as the same person, um, are are this layered as far as their desire to win and their pettiness? Yeah, and, and, and all of and, those and, things. And by layered, like you have there has to be a certain level of hatred and obviously there was hatred from outside of the Bulls. The Pistons hated Michael Jordan. And, you know, you could probably say that the Celtics to some extent and Larry Bird had a respectful but hatred for Michael Jordan. But then as we got into episodes seven and eight, and you start to they start to dive into how his teammates hated him. I don't think anyone used the word hate, but like you can tell by the way that all of these guys talk about him. Steve Kerr, Scotty Burrell, from UConn, you know, these role players, Judd Bushler, Bill Wennington, look at the way that they talk about Michael Jordan. Listen to the way they talk about him. For a guy that they spent years and years traveling, planes, hotels, practices, like you you spend more time with Michael Jordan and your teammates than you do with your own family. And even after all these years, rather than talking about Michael Jordan as like, oh, one of the guys that, oh, it was just what a, we all went to war together. It was Michael Jordan at, his, at an arm's length. Literally for guys that spent like five years with Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. year in and year out, day in and day out, practicing and practice out, 
the Judd Bushlers, these like Bill Wennington types, and they're talking about Michael Jordan as if, yeah, he's, you know, he's he's just he's kind of at an arm's length. Like, just look at their body language, the way that they sort of tap dance around. They don't want to rip him too much because they know he's a legend and he helped elevate their careers but, and their lives. And it's why they won. Like, yeah. like, like. So you could take um, Butchler or Wennington. Numerous guys and plop them on a different team. And you know what? They probably have nice careers. Like they're not washouts, but they probably play t- 10 years. And I would say the majority of those guys have zero titles. That's the thing. Like Jordan's whole thing was, and, and there are only X amount of guys. Now, this is a conversation in which I think you can include LeBron James for sure, but there are only X amount of guys in the history of sports who can basically say, okay, this is my show. This is how we're doing it. Now, how that person chooses to conduct themselves, as we saw in episode seven last night, obviously leaves a huge lasting impression on people. But the reality is, if you come back to him now and say, like, okay, you know what? You had a lot more fun. You weren't um, bullied in practice and your teammates were all nice. And by the way, you you now have zero titles. Will you take it? Yeah, because that that's the reality is. The Bulls teams, or the Bulls team in particular that played without Jordan when he went to play baseball, was probably very indicative of what that franchise is without him. Yeah, and, and like like nice pr- pretty good teams. Yeah, nice. As Scottie Pippen said, yeah, you know, practices were great. Nobody was yelling at us. It was awesome. Like, Phil Jackson's not going to yell at you much. So here, here's my question just to tie this into Minnesota, though, because every time I watch something like this or some sort of feature on championship caliber teams i can't help but tie it back to all right what do our teams need to do what what can they take from the last dance besides just like having michael jordan on your team what do you guys want minnesota teams or even like if there's a specific person or athlete uh-huh. to take away from the last dance cuz i've got a couple okay and i'll i'll start with carl anthony towns okay obvious basketball parallel here mm mm-hmm. mhm and now Carl has gone through some incredibly tough personal life things here in the last two or three months. And those are going to wind up, you know, the death of his mom way too young is going to wind up shaping him in some way. But just from an on the court and basketball perspective, I think the number one thing you can learn if you are on that level of talent in the NBA that Carl Anthony Towns is, which is like 99.5 percentile of talent. It's mm-hmm. like, in terms of just pure ability to play basketball, he's one of the 10 most talented players, maybe one of the five or six most talented players in the NBA. If you have a beta personality to go along with that level of talent, you're not going to go very far. You might not even make the playoffs in certain years. And we've sort of seen that without Jimmy Butler here, right? And so if there's one thing that I want Carl Anthony Towns to learn from Michael Jordan, it's not like it's not be a you-know-what to all your teammates and friends. Like, don't alienate everyone, but... Have a little bit more dog in you. Just have a little bit more grit and teeth to the way you go about your business. But I think that's ingrained in you, and I don't know that you can flip a switch for, for that. I Maybe think, not. I think that's something where, and Jordan's thing is, is he had the dog and and the passion to win and also was that great. And, but, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair or even necessarily possible for Cat to flip a switch that KG had. I think the closest, the closest Timberwolves player without a shadow of a doubt to what Jordan did and and could do is KG because is, yeah. K, KG had that. 
KG, if, now, if you would have given KG a Pippen and a Rodman equivalent, he would have won multiple championships here. And and I guess what I would say is is if there's a takeaway here, and again, the I feel like we're talking about things that cause a switch to be flipped, so it might not be possible or fair. But I think what we're seeing from Jordan is, and yes, he's petty. Okay, I get that completely. But you have to absolutely positively allow, if you want the ultimate success, and, and this starts with being a great player too. So that's you can't just be, I'm a really good player and I've got, but if you want that ultimate success and you are that good a player, you have to have a passion and love for your sport that mm-hmm. over that that for the most part overrides your life. It's more important than your family. It's more important than your friends. It's more important. It's a blinders concept. And I am not trying to say that this is possible or easy, okay? But it's what I'm seeing. Michael Jordan was paid his NBA salary playing for the Birmingham AA team of the White Sox because, as Reinsdorf said, we had basically screwed him his entire career. Michael Jordan didn't play for money, which I know in this day and age sounds incredible. And eventually he made his, but that took a while. And it was at the end. But Michael Jordan, for a lot of his career, was grossly underpaid. And you know what? I'm sure he cared a little bit. But what drove him was a passion and love. And and that's the thing. So I think there's an interesting discussion point here, too, Phil, off of this one. What we saw last night on the practice court, I get people now look at that and probably like, what an a-hole. That, boy, oh, man, okay. But there was a time period, and I don't know if this still exists now, but it did what... And I was told this when I started at the Star Tribune, and it was just an off, and it was told to me by the person who hired me in HR at the time, and it was just sort of an off-handed comment, but it stuck with it stuck with me at the time, and it has stuck with me for my entire life. And it's a cliche, but the person said, "Okay, you're going to get up to the sports department, and you're going to be asked to do this stuff, and I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to sink or swim. You're going to have a couple weeks, and in a couple weeks, if you don't get this, they're going to get on you." And that always struck me because I got up there and I loved it so much I didn't care. I didn't I didn't care. Now, this is not to say that I would ever compare myself to Jordan, but it's the mentality of what Jordan did if I played with him wouldn't have bugged me one bit. I think you've become the Jordan of hot takes, though. I would have loved it, though, Minnesota man. Minnesota sports hot takes. I would have loved it because, because, yeah, he was an a-hole. I get that. But you know what? There was a purpose to it. And there's nothing that bothers me more in my workplace than what I perceive as, uh, well, this is a cool job, but yeah, but you know, I could do something else or, or I got to get home right now. Right? Like you think about it. And if you're truly driven to do what you love and that is your passion, and I'm not saying it's as important as your family, but it's on the wrong. Then I look at that and I say, yeah, you know what? If people, if people come at you and chirp you, I get it completely. You know, I've I've thought for a long time up until seeing this documentary that, man, it's just a damn shame that Jordan didn't stick around. They could have won eight straight championships. You know, imagine if he hadn't gotten that weird baseball bug or just like got sick of basketball. But now that I watch it, now that I see just how fiery and aggressive his competitive streak is and how he burns out after like two or three years every single time, right? Mm-hmm. Like he just... When you get to that level and you're winning championships and there's no off nights mentally for him. It's not like he just put it in cruise control for, all right, well, it's the middle of January here. We're heading into the all-star break and we're playing the bullets five times. Like, no, like he's going to make up a grudge every night and he's just going to be, 
his brain is going to be operating at full spin every single night. I don't think there's any way he would have made it through the entire 90s decade without taking a break from basketball. I think he would have short-circuited. Just to circle back to something you said, too, about Jerry Reinsdorf and the money. So Reinsdorf basically said, listen, yeah, he's he's been underpaid and he's made a lot of people a lot of money. And so yep. the least I can do is keep paying him $3 million because he might come back at some point. But $3 million isn't a lot compared to how much money the Bulls are worth. And so let's just... Let's just stay on his good side. He didn't say that last part, but that was a for all the ripping of Jerry Krause and, and Jerry Reinsdorf for how they mishandled the end of the Bulls dynasty. What a brilliant long play for a guy that holds grudges and never lets them go. Michael Jordan to this day still has not spoken to Sports Illustrated in like 25 years for that cover, the baseball cover. Yes. Uh, I saw that floating around last night. Somebody asked Bomani Jones, is this still a thing? And he said, absolutely. He has not spoken to Sports Illustrated in 25 years. Which is fine now. But if he goes away from the Bulls in 1993 and Jerry Reinsdorf says, all right, well, then your contract's terminated. We're not going to pay you. It's likely he would have come back and thought twice about playing for the Bulls, right? Now, they might have been able to maintain his contract rights anyways, but I thought that was a brilliant long view by Jerry Reinsdorf. Don't you think, though, that's smart? I I think that people who are savvy knew exactly why he was making the trends transition to baseball and quitting and his dad had just died and I think those people were very were very observant of the fact that this was going to be a short-term reboot for him now without the baseball strike as we talked about on the happy hour last night that we did without the baseball strike perhaps he doesn't come back for another year or so but I think they all saw Jordan stepping away for exactly what that was which was a basketball reboot for him and then to come back but I just don't I don't think the surface things that we saw last night of Michael Jordan being a jerk that did not rub me the wrong way at all and and in fact that's the greatness and there are very few people who have that combination and please just off the bat if we're talking about Wolves players don't give me Jimmy Butler Jimmy Butler was a self-serving human being who's got some issues okay? he also did not have the credibility of Michael Jordan no Michael Jordan by the time like when when they showed him coming back and and like they showed the the back and forth between him and Steve Kerr because he punched Steve Kerr in practice one day. Listen to what Michael Jordan was saying leading up to the tension between him and Steve Kerr. It was listen, these guys like Steve Kerr come in, Luke Longley who played for the Timberwolves. Yep. I think the Wolves drafted Luke Longley if they I'm did. not mistaken. They did. They come over and they're riding the coattails of three championships they had nothing to do with. And so, like, they're they're riding the inertia and the momentum, but they don't really know what it's like to actually have to roll up your sleeves and do what needs to be done in practice and games. Not that that justifies punching a teammate. I'm not saying that. But, but Michael Jordan is saying, hey, this is what championship DNA looks like. I'm going to show you what it looks like. And to what you said earlier, sink or swim. And that was, that was his way of right. setting a standard and setting a bar. I have another Minnesota sports figure that I would like to take a few notes here, and that would be Kirk Cousins, quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, okay? Now, this might sound crazy, because uh-huh. Kirk doesn't have the mobility of, like, a Russell Wilson, but I think Kirk Cousins, in term, if you just ranked quarterbacks based on talent up and down the board, okay, he would definitely lose points for mobility, and I get that. But in terms of being able to throw an accurate pass and just, like, having a smooth delivery from the pocket, uh Deep ball, like Kirk Cousins is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the world. The guy has a great arm, Mm -hmm. and the guy has been mostly accurate throughout his entire career. And the biggest problem for him has been when the moment gets big, he starts to shrink. Not every time. He stepped up against Dallas last year on Sunday Night Football. He stepped up 
in a playoff game, made a big throw. But what I want Kirk Cousins to take note of, and this might be something that you're either born with or you're not, I do think there there is some training to be done here. When the moment gets to be big, when the pressure starts to mount, instead of letting the pressure sort of get to you and dictate your actions and feelings, attack it, dude. Michael Jordan was one of the most wildly talented athletes in American history. And so obviously you have to be on some level of that talent to to do the things that Michael Jordan did. Mm-hmm. But I contest that Michael Jordan was just flat out the most mentally tough and emotionally intelligent basketball player that we've probably ever seen. A guy who can take, you know, look at look at game six, the 1998 final, his last game as a Chicago Bull, okay? It's the end of a third run uh, to it's it's the end of a, a second three peat. He's tired. He's been carrying that team all season. The Utah Jazz are flat out better. Carl Malone's the MVP. They're playing on the like all these things against him. Playing on the road. Yep. And they're down by four points with forty seconds to go in that game. Nobody else touches the basketball for the Chicago Bulls in those forty seconds. Michael Jordan, instead of being swallowed up by oh my god, like legacy fatigue. Road crowd, right? Right. He drives in to the lane between three defenders, gets a layup. Um, they were down by, they might have been down by, th- no, they tied the game. And then he steals the ball from Carl Malone, goes down, doesn't pass to anybody, disposes of Brian Russell, and then shoots the iconic game winning shot to ice the finals, right? Like Did you- the moment, the moment swallows you up yeah. if you're Kirk Cousins against yep. Green Bay. Michael Jordan attacks the moment and rises above. I'm not saying Kirk can be Michael Jordan. I'm saying he can attack those moments of adversity mentally more than he has in his career to this point. I feel like there's two things in play here. One is the Spielman laugh. (laughs) The second is... You like that? You like that? Pull yourself over, please. Oh, come on. Kirk Cousins? Did you mention Kirk Cousins? I'm not saying he can be Michael Jordan. This is ridiculous. I'm pulling him over. All right. That's fine. All right, sir. Hot Take Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in Hot Take Court. Listen. All right, officer, sir. If you could is, step out of your car, please. I am not saying he's Michael Jordan. <laughs> Did you just invoke the name of a guy that grills mystery meat? These are things you can you learn like, okay. from Michael Jordan. You do, Declan. Listen, you can either arrest me with Judd. That's fine. But I just, I was I fine with everybody that we could use the cops to until he got to Kirk Cousins. I'm totally fine with it because there's something about him that has to eventually take the next step. There, it never will. Oh, are you kidding? At his age, it's over. Cat, I think, I think it's impossible. But he's 24, I believe. Kirk Cousins, it's done. What Listen, you see is what you get. I am the not, mystery meat is Kirk Cousins. I am not Bland. saying that Kirk Cousins can be Pat Mahomes or that he can be the Michael Jordan I'm, equivalent. I'm saying if, if, wiring. if he's going to take something from Michael Jordan, it is, listen, when you're at Lambeau yeah. and it's the fourth quarter and it's yeah. a close game yeah. and you have a chance like, and the crowd's going crazy and the Packers have momentum, you don't have to be swallowed up by that moment. You can attack that moment. When's the last time you saw Kirk Cousins react in, in a way that seemed genuine? Which is, to Jordan's credit, I'll give him, he always was, right? Like, Jordan, it might have been over the top at times, but everything that Jordan did, you, you were like, that guy is really cool. When's the last time you saw Kirk Cousins celebrate something 
or throw a touchdown and react and thought, you know what? That is a genuine reaction for that man. But he doesn't have to be cool. Like Andrew Luck is one of the nerdiest looking guys ever and attacked the moment, right? Andrew Luck. I'm just saying that if Kirk Cousins watched the documentaries uh, so, so far, I'm glad. I hope he's enjoying it, but that's all we're going to get <laughs> so from So you don't it. think there's any chance I think to learn anything? I actually think that the Vikings traded away the one offensive component, not that this guy was not weird, but the one offensive component that this guy, that this team had that was a driving force guy, Stefan Diggs. Yeah, but I and I agree, like, it's a huge loss, but I don't think any championship has ever been, you could maybe make a case oh, for I the agree. 80s 49ers because they had, saying, like, an alpha wide receiver. I'm just saying for the offensive, for the offense's intensity, they traded away the one guy who brought that. And I will say this, without Stefan Diggs, they don't win that Broncos game last year. Like he they were playing awful and he single-handedly basically said this is BS. And it worked. Good for him. All right. Sorry. Well, do you think that Baltimore Ravens fans, when Joe Flacco was 27 entering the 2012 season, that they said, "All right, th- this guy is, is never going to take the next step. He's a good quarterback, but he's never going to take the next step." And he went off. Yeah, no see, one saw that coming. See, Declan brings up so this For is one okay. season. All right, listen, officer. This is yeah. this is the lane that I, where the the lane that Declan just went down. The lane isn't can Kirk Cousins consistently be the Michael Jordan of quarterbacks? That ship has sailed. Yeah. That is not possible. Okay, that's and sorry, Kirk. You like that? You like that? Kirk might disagree. Yep. The goal at this point is: Does Kirk Cousins have a 2012 Joe Flacco like run in him? throughout the month of January and into February? And I think the answer is yes, it is in him. Will it actually come to fruition? And will all the different components that need to happen, like will the Vikings be good enough in the regular season to, you know? I don't think Kirk Cousins, in the course of a playoff um, run, is ever going to get in the zone that Flacco got in during that run. I just don't. I think he can do it for one game. I don't think he can do it for a run. But Kirk Cousins, to me, is more talented than Joe Flacco. And I wouldn't put Joe Flacco in like this... I don't think Joe Flacco is like some oh, Kirk Zen is a, mastermind mental no, quarterback. No, but he got in an incredible run of, in the playoffs and rode that with a really good team. People also forget, like, actually, one of the I believe it was the Broncos game when the when the Ravens beat the Broncos. Yeah, didn't Joe Flacco literally just like throw a fifty fifty jump ball at the end of one of those games in the fourth quarter? And well, I probably, think, yeah, uh, he just got hot. Like somebody jumped up and but, caught a pass. But and, the question to me is, can Kirk Cousins get hot for an extended period of time? that would cover a playoff run, and my answer is he's not that fortunate. No, he won't. But until then, you were fine. Until you brought up Kirk Cousins. God bless him. Hot Take Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in Hot Take Court. Right, fair enough. So did I just get a ticket there, or or was it? Sounds like I didn't get off with a warning, is what I'm saying. Actually, Citation? I took the nightstick out. Sorry. It all depends on which hot take cop you run into, too. You know, some of them are yeah. just like there to. I'm chat. a hothead. Some of them don't even want to come up to your car because of coronavirus. Uh, I'm a hothead cop. <laughs> um, last thing off this. Here's where I will say that I feel like Jordan's pettiness and and personality issues are now officially, for sure, playing a role. The Jerry Krause thing, who he clearly wants to make like a buffoon, I almost sort of get that, okay? Here's this little portly GM, who, by the way, did a very nice job. But to me, the tipping point where Jordan has become officially incredibly petty and wants the credit, and it's starting to show 
at least editorially in the background, is Scottie Pippen. Let's see. Scottie Pippen didn't play against the Pistons in, in a playoff game because of a migraine. Ripped him. We have brought that up really, really hard, okay? Scottie Pippen signed an incredibly stupid contract to where we then went and got the owner of the team now saying, I told him back then, don't sign that contract. He did. Okay, if you don't think that's got Jordan's fingerprints all over yeah. it, you're crazy. So Scotty's been made to look like an idiot twice. Yeah, he's been made to look like a contractual moron, a soft player who who Jordan clearly implied, well, if I had a migraine, I play. And then, and look, the end of the game when Jordan, in what I believe it was the 94 playoffs, right? When he, Pippen wouldn't go back in, Kukoc did, yeah, that and was, made the shot. That was unforgivable. That was unforgivable, and it's a great, and and they did a really good job, I thought, of talking to people about that. But I love how they go to Jordan, and and he's like, I called Phil. I said he's never going to be allowed to forget. Like almost like it, it's it's Farvinian in Jordan's want to come off like a nice guy, making it very clear that the guy who was considered his Robin screwed up. Yeah. Actually, one of the most... I'm starting to feel bad for Scottie Pippen. I'm not. Okay. I Honestly, like, the contract thing, I felt a little bit bad for because, you know, it's not like Scottie came from money. Scottie was trying to, listen, if I have a guaranteed contract yep. that pays me millions of dollars, I'm just going to take the guarantees and worry about the rest later. So I don't really feel bad for him in that regard. The migraine thing, I do feel bad for him. I've never really had migraines, but knowing other people that have, they're no joke. Yep. But the 94 playoffs thing, mm-hmm. what are you doing, dude? I agree with that. That is one of the most unforgivably selfish things a, a top professional and athlete has ever done. for him to come back done. last night and say, we basically got through the entire thing, and they cut to Pippen saying, I'd probably do the same thing again. Like, it, is, you would? Yeah, it's exactly. ridiculous. But nonetheless, the, the evidence that they're building against Pippen, so not just that thing, but all of the things, I feel like he came off looking pretty good in the first, let's say, two to three episodes of uh, The Last Dance, and that you thought, oh, man, okay. But now it's sort of since then been this pile on of, and here's what else Scotty did wrong. Also, uh, and there's different, like, Phil Jackson was okay with Pippen pouting into the season and then getting surgery late in 1997-98. Michael Jordan was not. Michael Jordan clearly felt the brunt of having to carry that team. Yes. And when he came back, they eventually went on like a 50-10 and run or something in the second part of the season. But one of the most, I think, low-key underrated storylines here that they didn't really touch on, it's just sort of a a theme if you read between the lines, the fact that Scotty bailed on his team in 1994 against the Knicks all of them thought differently of him from that point going forward. Michael Jordan confirmed it and said, yeah, I mean, like, and Kerr did, too. So it's a stain on your yeah. resume as a leader. Yeah. That they looked at him differently from that point forward and still three-peated again with him as the second best player on the team. And like the fact that it didn't come apart at the seams after that is pretty amazing. All of these things, don't get me wrong here, are strikes against Pippen. They are. What I'm saying is it's being very seamlessly painted so that you will, if you didn't know about it, know it now, or if you had forgotten about it, that you'll be like, oh, yeah, Scotty, oh, Scotty Pippen, man, he made some dumb decisions. And I, I just, I think that's where the pettiness of Jordan is playing out here because Michael wants you to know I was Michael and everybody else was a supporting player. And I'd prefer that Pippen be distanced as as much as possible. Um, and, you know, the same with Kraus. Kraus. Jerry Krause, I think, has not looked like a complete moron in this documentary when he's been featured maybe once. 
everything else he's made to look like a complete bumbling idiot. Yeah, it doesn't take that much editing to make him look like a bumbling idiot. No, but they made but. sure. But they made sure not to have anybody really on camera who who's like, well, Jerry Krause, you know, did a really nice job with this and that. It's always and look, I get it. It's Jordan's. It's Jordan's uh, baby. But that's where it's not so much Michael the competitor or Michael the jerk that bugs me one bit. It's the pettiness. And they're doing a pretty good job of the George Carl thing was great. You know, George Carl is sitting across a restaurant, walks past him the the night before, I think, game one of those uh, finals and does not say hi. And Jordan, who probably would have done the exact same thing to George Carl, is like, that's a bunch of BS. But but the pettiness of Jordan to this day, I think, is really playing out in the way that this documentary is portraying Scotty Pippen. Yeah, he is. uh, He is not a man at peace. So we. We're going to dive into this. There's there's more on this bone throughout the week, too. And we're actually going to talk to Mike Greenberg, our friend from ESPN's Get Up, on tomorrow's episode of Mackie and Judd. He covered the Bulls for a local TV station throughout the 90s. And there's a couple shots of, like, young Mike Greenberg in the in the the media so crowd. It's remarkably the same for it being, what, 30 years little, after the fact? He looked a little pimply, I would say. Probably in his Well, then it 20s. looks better. <laughs> Uh, but let's come back and do a couple things. We'll wrap with Royce later in the episode. Major League Baseball is putting plans in motion for an 80-game season, so we'll talk about that. But uh, the Michael Jordan of helping businesses, that would be probably Federated Insurance. And during these times, Federated Insurance wants to thank local businesses because you are our community partners, our neighbors, our families, our friends. And when you need Federated, Federated is here to help. You can visit federatedinsurance.com. Or call your local marketing representative to access trusted resources you may need during this pandemic. Uh, During these uncertain times, your team at Federated Mutual Insurance Company has kept a strategic focus on policyholder service specifically. What has not changed is the commitment to providing risk management to help you prevent injuries and save lives. And uh, also, the professional employees at Federated are dedicated to providing the services you need up and down the board. To access trusted resources, go to federatedinsurance.com or call your local marketing representative to uh, to just do a deep dive into what you may need. Federated has been around for over 100 years, based in Owatonna, Minnesota. And at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. Once baseball decides on what it wants to do, and first the owners are going to have to make their decision on which plan to embark upon. And then they go to the union and try to get these things straight. And we are expecting salary is going to be an issue. Players already have agreed to prorate their salaries in a shortened season. So if it's an 81-game season, they'll get half their salary. And likewise, however many games are played, but with no fans, the owners, from what I understand, believe that they are going to need to ask the players to take a further cut, and that obviously could cause friction. Now, okay, that's Ken Rosenthal from the Athletic and MLB Network, and just to, we'll dive into the money side of this in just a second. But just to sum up his latest report on what baseball is looking to put into place here: a truncated season of eighty games or around eighty games. At the beginning of July is when the schedule would start. Teams would only face division rivals and the same geographic division in the other leagues. So the Twins would face American League Central teams like usual and National League Central teams as well on their schedule. They would not play the Yankees. They would not play, well, at least not until the playoffs. Yep. They would not play the Red Sox. They would not play the Anaheim Angels, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Teams would open the season in as many home parks as possible. That will cut down on travel and allow players and personnel to easily isolate at home with their families. 
An expanded postseason format would send seven teams to the playoffs per league. The plan would be similar to an idea floated back during the offseason. And also, according to sources, the DH will be used in both leagues in order to spare pitchers from additional fatigue and wear and tear. Your thoughts, Judd Zolgad, on a truncated 80-game season here. And then, by extension, listen, it's already been negotiated. The players have said, all right, if we're going to play 80 well, games, then we'll make half as much as we used to used to make going into the season. I don't know how billionaire owners can go back to the well and ask for the players to take a further pay cut. I know that there might not be fans in the stands, but yep. they're already taking a massive pay cut to play a truncated season. And here's a tweet that uh, John Heyman put out on, I think, yesterday. He uh, tweeted, owners will seek less than prorated pay for players and, in fact, are adamant they will not pay prorated dollars, saying losses would be too steep. One possible proposal that they could talk about today, a 50-50 revenue split. Players' sides have been adamant about prorated money. That's half pay for 81 games. Something has to give. Uh, As far as the plan goes, you know what? Cool. Bring it on. I mean, however you're going to get to playing baseball, I don't care. And I'm not going to quibble about, well, it's got to be 130 games or it doesn't count. At this point in time, I'll go back to what I told you. Well, you've already said the Twins World Series won't count. Exactly. But that's my thing is I just want to see games. So at this (laughs) point, I I don't care. I'm not going to get to October or more likely in this case, November and say, oh, man, the World Series is really tainted. It's not going to be a World Series as we know. Know it. There's going to have to be an asterisk by the season. I'm accepting all of that. What I really want to know deep down is, are both sides, and I put blame on both sides, I probably personally put more blame on the owners, are they really going to screw this up and start the the fighting that is going to come when the CBA does come up in the next couple of years, Phil Mackey? Are they going to start that now? And are we really not going to have baseball games potentially? Not just because of a virus that has affected the entire world, but also because of the pettiness of how this is going to be done. Because right now, the more that you read and and the more reports from credible reporters that you see, the answer to my question is looking more and more like yes, that basically the owners are going to say, if we can't come back and and have things so that it is going to help us, and if we are going to take a chance of taking a, a financial bath, we're not going to play. Think about that for a second. Owners need to take the long view here because look at some of the look at some of the viewership for the only live things that and I haven't seen UFC viewership from over the weekend, but and by the way, UFC is much more of a coronavirus risk in terms of like people's bodies and sweating and stuff. Like they don't ba- really care though. There is risk in baseball as well, but there are precautions you can take. Players can wear masks in the field. Everyone would be touching the same ball, but they swap the ball out. They can swap the ball out even more than they already do, right? That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. But if baseball comes back and for a month or two months or three months, they're the only show in town, this is the first time in a long time that a spotlight will be on baseball to connect with fans and bring in a new audience. I mean, maybe in like 20 or 30 years, like when's the last time an abundance of casual fans rushed to their TV to watch baseball? Maybe the Cubs breaking their 108-year World Series slump? But this is where, like, if you're if you're the owners and players are already taking a fifty percent pay cut to play a truncated season, have the long view in mind. Don't tarnish the relationship with fans and players so that you can salvage a few dollars in two thousand twenty. Like you're all like none of you are going to go bankrupt or broke. I don't think maybe the Rays, 
but like figure out a solution yep. if you need to with a, with a different revenue sharing plan in the interim. Maybe the Yankees have to f- help subsidize the Rays a little bit more in 2020. I don't know. But whatever you do, if it's safe to play baseball, forget about all these little back and forth like contractual and money negotiations. Put that aside. You guys have already come up with an agreement for the players to take prorated pay and just get back on the field and 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 innovate for once. Can you imagine though if if they are in a position to come back and they don't come back because of this? It would it would I don't know if it would kill the sport, but it would I think it would kill the sport for a generation. I think there's I mean I I mean Declan, where does baseball rank among your favorite sports? Are I mean you, it, it's second. It's, it's second, second to hockey. But I would think like if you're born in the 90s it's really hard for baseball to be your favorite sport. Like yeah. baseball hasn't made it easy for it to be your favorite sport if you were born in the '90s. And I especially think if it's you were born in the 2000s, it's even it's even more true. The little league numbers are so down. I mean, that's what's scary is little league is down. I mean, how are you going to get more players in the base to play baseball if literally kids aren't playing baseball? Yeah. I'll give you one. I was born in 1969, and the bleep in sports making it incredibly <laughs> tough. Seriously, yeah. like the game that I grew up. Liking has changed dramatically as far as as time of game, as far as approach, all, all of that stuff. And now you're telling me that in the midst of a pandemic, you're going to start to fight this sport. Look, look in a couple of years, there is a very good chance, as much as uh, baseball fans will hate this, that we're going to have a lockout or a strike. All right. But if you start that crap now and you go down that path now, like, do you want to kill yourself? As baseball, I, do, is, is I don't. I don't goal? think they will. I honestly I hope not. I don't think they will. But in in fact, uh, Bob Nightingale of USA Today has this. Uh, he tweeted this morning amid uh, coronavirus pandemic, MLB owners will vote on historic revenue sharing plan that guarantees at least forty eight percent to players on eighty two game season. I mean, you're no, it's fifty fifty. Like if this is your plan, or give them fifty one percent. And I you, think what, you greedy SOBs, you're already trying to get. You know, well, forty eight percent. No, right, and what? And I get it. Like their lo- the the owner's logic is, all right. Listen, we're only playing half the games, and so initially we all said, we're all to, we're, we'll just we'll just prorate the fifty percent because we're only playing half the games. But what they didn't consider maybe a few months ago is, oh, well, those eighty games are going to be played without ticket revenue coming in, and right. so therefore, you know, if you look at all of the potential revenue lost then really it should be this and i and to what that's where i say listen just eat it it's like it's like people are going to take a financial bath in sports this year yes the billionaires can absorb it more than anybody else so just please absorb it for one year and then let's figure out what needs to happen for 2021 and beyond and to your point about the long play is do you so is your goal to to make as much as you can in 2020 and be that short-sighted so that you're basically putting a nail in the coffin of your, your sport long term. Like, is that your goal? Somebody has to sit them down and say, guys, this makes no sense. Yeah, and really, this all, this could just wind up be, a, this could just be a standard negotiation situation where, hey, maybe the owners float, uh, all right, well, why don't you hear us out on this? Why don't you take 40% and the players say no, and the owners say, okay, cool, we had to ask, and then they play baseball. I got a bad feeling about that. Do you think, uh, do, do you... Think that they should play more than half a season, or are you fine if they come back and announce we're going to play 82 games? I'm fine with 82 games. I'm fine with 80 games. I think anything less than 80 becomes really difficult. 80 is a sprint in baseball. Mm-hmm. So Twins World Series titles tainted at 65. Not tainted at all. Not tainted at all. Not, not even close. You can stay home. 
and not celebrate our championship. I'm going to have to, Declan. And fact, so are you. In fact, what they're doing... We're going to run outside <laughs> on our decks with our beers and uh, White Claws. That, that, I did that this afternoon. I don't know... I don't know what their reasoning was for the seven game for the for seven teams getting into the playoffs uh, in each league, but my reasoning would be when you have a sprint of a regular season, yep. it actually makes it harder for the best teams to emerge because like there's a reason why you need 162 games for the best teams sure. to emerge because like the, the best teams are winning 90 to 95 maybe 100 games. It just takes a long time for the cream to rise to the top, and. If your concession is, listen, like if we play an 80 game season and the Yankees get off to a slow start and they're playing catch up, ordinarily they'd have 80 more games to finish right. out their, their game of catch up and make the playoffs. Well, we don't want to run into a situation where a truncated season leads to the Yankees or the Dodgers not making the playoffs, or in our case here, the Twins. I love adding a seventh team. It does make the playoffs more of a crapshoot because presumably you're not going to play a bunch of seven game series. You know, you're going to, you're probably going to have like, a one game do or die wild card of some kind. There's a buy like another as well, series. Yeah. Uh, so, but it does give teams like the Twins that were going to make the playoffs almost certainly over 160. It gives them a little bit more padding to make the playoffs. <laughs> oh boy! Do the fact that you think this would be a cheap World Series win? It'd is be entertaining. It'd be it'd be great. Look, I'm looking you forward to celebrate sports. it like you would any a, other championship. The NBA, hockey, and baseball right now, as far as I'm concerned, I want them all back. That's absolutely fine. I'll watch them if they come back for sure. Every one of their championships is in, going to be in some way tainted through no fault of their so own. So you're really like if if no we're sitting there own. and it is game six and the Twins are up three games to two and Josh Donaldson hits a three run bomb oh, off Kenley Jansen, it would be great to win the World Series in the bottom of the ninth inning. It'll be great. You're going to stand up and say that was fun. Asterisk. It's all gad. Call him asterisk. What I'm saying is in five years. I will write a column saying that was a lot of fun. Baseball was back, and that was as tainted as it possibly gets. I mean, it's not It's not baseball's fault. Sorry, eighty game season is not have, a baseball season. I still have yet I to still hear want it back. A, like your. I still have yet to hear a viable explanation for why it would be tainted. Because it's a because you're only playing eighty games, and you're changing rules around and allowing extra playoff teams. But which I which to be clear, I'm all for. I experiment away, ladies and gentlemen. Experiment. This is your chance. Throw in every goofy rule, 10th inning, runner at second. Experiment away. Universal DH, I'm not a big DH guy, but you know what? Do it. Universal DH. Do whatever you want, but don't expect me to consider it to be a normal season. The coolest thing about an 80-game season would be urgency. Almost every game I, you know would what? have I'm something on the totally line. Right? With you. Like you're starting. You're only going to get 15 Jose Barrio starts. Maybe not even that. If they try to put eighty games into like three months or or like let's say two and a half months or something. Yep. Uh, well, if they start on July first, they should be able to just play essentially what would be a regular eighty game schedule. Right. So you'd probably get fifteen starts out of Jose Barrios, but that's it. Like if Jose Barrios has a bad month, yeah. which he always does, by the way, in I'm August and September. I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying it's going it's going to have an asterisk by it. So are, are you putting the same asterisks by this possible Twins World Series, and you would the Astros winning the World Series two years ago? Oh, I would have stripped him of that. As far as I'm concerned, that's gone. Which was wor- which is worse to you? They cheated. Uh they're di- they're different because this well, is the, not the, someone's fault. The Astros cheated their way cheated. to a championship. Yeah. yeah, but this the is playing field will no be the same fault. for every team. This is right no now. one's fault. I'm just saying, don't expect me to con- consider this. If the Twins were to win the World Series, you can't say 87, 162 games, uh, 91, 2020. 2020 is going to be different. But I'm fine with it. 
I'm not offended by it. It's no one's fault. I mean, couldn't you it's say that pandemic. the 1987 Twins World Series was tainted because they played in a Teflon indoor arena? But they still and played. Opposing players couldn't see fly balls. Look, you guys. I mean, are, you guys are trying to get me. Didn't the, didn't the Braves get lose not, a fly ball in like Game Six or I, something? I, I'm not. I'm not bashing this possibility. I'm just saying, in the year of experimentation, that you are going to have. It's going to be different. It's going to be. It's going to be different. I do think that there's a couple things that if they do this, will not go back. I think the DH might be full time after this, uh, fairly quickly. And as I, it should be. And I would not be surprised if the playoff. If the playoff works, I think the field will be expanded very quickly as well. What are you going to do without double switches? How are you going to live your life anymore? Ugh. You know what? Oh, yeah, we're going to the designated you know, we're gonna, hitter. We're bring our shortstop. The designated the hitter second. was put in in '73 in the American League be, because offensively it had fallen way behind the National League. Offense is not a problem right now. Okay, I'll, and plus I'll, the double I'll switch. Take, I'll take double Nelson switch. Make, it makes you think. It makes you think. Yeah. You know what? That's great. That's fine. I'm just saying it's a tainted, it's a, it's a different season. But again, I say it without prejudice because I'm not offended by it. Just walking both sides. I'm not offended mm-hmm. by right. it. It's the reality of the conversation that we're having. Let's wrap with Royce here. Get his thoughts on this baseball proposal. Nah, all right. I don't think he's watched The Last Dance, so he's sticking to his guns that he has not watched The Last Dance, which is classic. Has he still not seen Pat. an episode? I don't think, yeah, and we can ask him when okay. we talk to him here. All right. Uh, let's talk about our friends at Luther Brookdale Toyota 2 here on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Uh, they're doing everything they can to make sure that the customers, us, and their employees both stay safe during this period. They are open for business. If you have thought about getting into a brand new vehicle, you can still test drive. In fact, they will bring the vehicle to you. So you can test drive it. You don't even have to go into the showroom, nothing. You can just schedule a test drive on the website, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com, and they'll take care of you. They've also announced some great offers, 90 days deferred payment on both new and used vehicles, and 0% financing on 2020 Camrys, RAV4s, and Tacomas. If you need service on your vehicle, they've set up a no-contact system, including electronic checkout. And if you don't need anything right now, that's okay, too. Luther Brookdale Toyota is here for you whenever you're ready to get service or to talk about a new or used vehicle. The website is LutherBrookdaleToyota.com, and the location is 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, Declan Golf. Let's talk about uh, Dennis Kirk as well here. Yeah, quick thank you to DennisKirk.com for supporting vroom, vroom. Score North and Mackie and Judd. It's obviously crazy times right now, but one thing you can do is get out and ride, and the weather seems to be telling us it's time to get you and your motorcycle ready for this year's riding season. DennisKirk.com is a Minnesota-based Worldwide retailer of parts, accessories, and apparel for avid bikers of all kinds. Whether you ride a Harley, cruiser, sport bike, dirt bike, or any type of motorcycle, they have what you need. And through May 28th, Dennis Kirk is offering 0% interest for up to 12 months, over 160,000 products in stock, and ready to ship today. DennisKirk.com not only offers a huge in-stock selection, but also guaranteed best prices, fast same-day shipping, and a satisfaction guarantee. They truly are the best in the business. Order by 8 p.m. and get it tomorrow. $89 orders ship free. DennisKirk.com. Order today. Get it tomorrow. All right. We wrap with Roycey every Monday, Wednesday, Friday on Mackie and Judd. Pat, just just so we can get it out of the way, are you still sticking to your guns? You have not watched really any of The Last Dance, correct? Mm, I told you three, four minutes, two weeks ago. I have not watched it. Okay, cool. That. I haven't watched it at all. As I told you, two hours, I'm in. Ten hours. See ya. <laughs> all right. That's fair enough. Even when I don't have anything to do. I'm not devoting 10 hours to Michael Jordan's last season, even even with all the inside looks, even though 
Well, they do. They they do cover like half of it is is his entire career and the other teams as well. Just so you know. And America uh, is uh, finding out what a lout he was too, right? What a foul mouth lout he was. So anyway, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Actually, yeah. it's fun to watch. Well, I, my favorite thing about him was he had the wife and the kids out in the suburbs, and uh, the, uh, the the sports car was always parked in front of the Ambassador Hotel. Uh, with, uh, you know, where they had the puffer room and that other yep. stuff downtown. But it, it was like there was a little cutout there in the front. And uh, Michael uh, Michael seemed to spend – that Michael's car seemed to spend a lot more time there than it did out at the summer. We're not getting that, Patrick, by the way. They're not We're delving not in, into his – yeah. His, uh, his, uh, the, the outside chance there was some philandering. You know, Michael and I were damn near roommates at uh for the dream team in uh san diego he was across the hall from me oh really yeah i was there uh covering uh you know the dream team when uh you know the, and the, they basically the nba basically took over the uh i think it was the sheraton ontario tory pines and uh that was where they were headquartered and the nba that was uh, back when they had brian mcintyre and they were all pr man and of course, newspapers ran the world then in '92 too. You know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't all internet sites and stuff. And yeah, I was uh, walking down, going out uh, to meet some guys for dinner one night, and Michael came out of the hotel room next door to me. And uh, it it appeared that uh, as I peeked in his room, it appeared he had a little more space than I did. I Just a little, a little, little more, a uh, little, little better uh, room. Like they that. gave MJ the honeymoon suite. I hope you complained. <laughs> No, Went no, right downstairs and what the hell is up with that? No, I did. That is as much fun as I've ever had covering absolute blowouts. <laughs> you know, that you knew they were going to win the gold medal, but it was great. It was, I mean, with Barkley's quotes and the Barkley lighting them up and these guys. Of course, you get the, you get the greatest basketball team ever assembled. They're all big personalities, and they know they're going to win, so there's no pressure on them. And uh, they, it was it was fantastic. Uh, it was uh, it was amazing. And Barkley, of course, started it off right off the bat in Barcelona when they beat Angola, Angola by seventy or something, and he elbowed the kid from Angola, and the guy said, "Charles, you're up by sixty points. What are you elbowing that?" Kid from Angola, and he said, "Bleep Angola." <laughs> was, uh, so, Pat, was, I didn't, I didn't realize until last night that Terry Francona was Michael Jordan's manager at Double A in 1994. Yes, yes. yes. Now, there, uh, people are trying to uh, argue with me that he actually had a big league swing and could have been a big league player. And I, I'm sure all the baseball people are saying that. Uh, I don't buy it. Yeah, Francona said because he had he had 500 at bats in that only season, and he batted 202 yeah. or whatever. And Francona yeah. said if he would have gotten a thousand more at bats, he would have made it to the major league. He would have figured it yeah. out. Well, you gotta say that. You can't come out and say what a stiff. I can't believe this <laughs> it was terrible. You know? That was you awful. Know, he bought him a bus for God's sake. That yeah, that helps, right? They went from planking around in a yellow school bus to something that Michael paid for. So it still is one of the great mysteries. Of sports history, though, why he went off and did this at what? How old was he? Thirty? Yeah. Twenty? Yeah. Twenty-nine, thirty. Yeah. Yeah. What well, did he went off and did this? Uh, do they suggest the NBA was involved in it or not? Uh, they they suggested the it and dis- and dismissed it 
quick, very, okay. very quickly, Patrick. I, I know you're shocked mm-hmm. by that. So what did he tell us originally when he quit? Why was he quitting? Burned out. Not to spend more time with the family, I hope. No. You know what, Patrick? <laughs> the, fa- the family, the family through, through the course of what we're through eight hours so far, right? The yeah. family so far playing a very ancillary role in this documentary. <laughs> Very small role. Mom's playing a role, but like wife and kids, not so much. Yeah, well, listen, if you're Michael Jordan's ex-wife and the settlements you received and or continue to receive, you're not going to say anything. You know, that's greatest guy in history there. Anybody who comes out and says, you know, the life she's been able to live, uh, she's, you know, I'm sure she's very happy. And if Michael, if Michael strayed on a rare occasion, that's fine. <laughs> so, Patrick, when did we get to? A- I really do think yep. this is my theory, and it certainly does not apply to me because I'm not, you know, I'm not a candidate for this. But America and the world's paranoia about philandering, I can't get it. Just, just why bother? Why do you look at somebody's cell phone and stuff? Just, just. Just get on with your lives. Who cares? Because uh, we're voyeurs, yeah. Pat. Because people are voyeurs. You know, yeah, you know don't, don't worry about it. A friend of mine who we all know, and I don't, I don't want to say his name, but we all know him. We've we've known him for about ten years. He's got the greatest outlook on this. He says, "Honey, I trust you, and if you do, yeah. and if you do anything to break that trust, then we'll just don't move on, me. or <laughs> either don't tell me, or we'll just move on." Don't tell me. Don't tell hell no, deny it. First rule, lie. If I was that guy, no, you know, the companion would not have to deny it because I'd never ask. I'd never say, where the hell were you? What well, you know, but, you know, I'm, I'm home watching TV. What do I care? And, guy, and guys, <laughs> you know? in our business, Patrick, don't often have to uh, worry about this problem presenting itself. So. No. This is not a common sports broadcaster, sports no, writer no. problem. We oh man, the groupies—it's unbelievable. Yeah, right. Yeah, we gotta uh, we gotta throw rocks at people. So, so I don't know why. That's that's one of my theories. I used to espouse it occasionally on Monday Night Sports stuff. But uh, hey, Royce, I got a question well, for you. I got a question right. for you. When did we? And it's probably within the last twenty years or so. When did we turn the corner from by being offended by athletes who who are jerks when the reality is the jerks often are the characters? It feels now like like we for the most part demand our our athletes, especially the star ones, to be sanitized. And to me, they're much more fun when they're not sanitized. Well, I agree with that and uh, you know, I covered ball in the 70s. <laughs> and and you know the the seventies. That's you know I have no you know when Kirby's problems uh, showed up about the fact that he uh, you know when Tanya outed him and the whole and the other people and it became a big local scandal. Uh, and and I I would get emails and stuff. Why didn't you tell us about this? Why in God's name would I tell anybody about it? I don't care. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. never cared. I, I mean, I, you know, uh, you know, I, I saw the fellas in action and God love them. Don't yeah. tell mom when you get home, let's go. 
So, Pat, what do you? Who knows th- what mom? You know, they were married to a lot of good-looking gals. Who knew what mom was doing while they were on? The yeah, road? it's true. It's true. Uh, do, what What do you think of this idea of a truncated eighty-game Major League Baseball season beginning in early July? Uh, you we, do- we We all have to forget the idea that anything normal can occur this year, right? Yes. And you You might want to put asterisks on it and everything else. We had the 111-game season in uh, 81, had a fine six-game World Series with the Yankees and the Dodgers. Uh, it was fantastic. And I'm, I'm glad baseball isn't trying to squeeze in 100 games with doubleheaders and all that nonsense. Play the season as you play it. If you want to, you know, if you want to go to geographical divisions and geographical even league you know have three leagues instead of two i think you we just have to anything you can get played this year in any league we have to accept it yeah yeah judd and i are are in agreement with that and that's fine so judd's opinion is that if the twins were to win a truncated season world series that you'd have to put an asterisk next to it it's not the same as it would be you don't have to to put an asterisk there because the public you don't, you know, the public. Yeah, that's fine then. The asterisk there, but it's not normal. To, no, no, I mean, you don't, you don't, you know, an MVP award and all that stuff. I, I, I hate for the baseball writers to all of a sudden get pompous and say, "Okay, it's only an eighty-game season, so we're not going to give it out an award." It's, it's a different world, and if you can get eighty games played, hallelujah! And plus, the idea that okay. We're gonna have, uh, you know, we're gonna play till December to get the playoffs played, so we can play 100 games. That's that's ridiculous. And having everybody go to Arizona and for the World Series, and I, I, you know, 80 games you can finish when you normally finish. If you get started in early July, you can finish when you normally finish. And uh, and then you know, just figure out a way. You, we'll probably have what 16 teams in the playoffs or something. Have a two out of the 14, 14, 14 yep. Yeah, fourteen. Yeah, well, in other words, this is the plan. Yes. That this. Oh, what what word can I use to describe Manfred? Uh, it's a podcast. So, I mean, fire so away, far, Pat. We can always bleep it. So far, only uh, twit. I almost changed the vowel in there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> twit. <laughs> this twit, Manfred. Uh, <laughs> you know. That's what he wants, and he's going to tell us how successful it was, and that he's going to try to go to 14 teams in the playoffs. And then that was it. But I do know that I don't know what the media is going to be allowed to cover. How many, you know, if if the if they're not going to let the public into the games, are they even going to let us into the games? But if they let us into the games and tell us you got to sit there for nine, three hours and forty five minutes wearing a mask, I'll be watching television. And and post game it'll be Rocco and the boys on Zoom if they let you in. They they ain't yeah. letting you down to the clubhouse. It'll no. be a Zoom chat. No, that's right. Maybe they'll have a you know maybe maybe pregame you know pregame Zoom. You you stand outside the dugout and talk to people and then you know have ten people have permission to be in the press box or something with the windows open. Hey Pat, my fear, my fear that the world has changed for sports writing. Hey Patrick, my fear though is is that the owners are gonna going to have a conference call today, and they are no question in my mind going to attempt to screw the players, and the players are going to get ticked, 
and and baseball is the one sport where I feel like they could screw this entire thing up and actually start fighting over dollars and cents, costing them more games and creating uh, well, a, where there'll be an absolute pariah well, to the, the public. Players got to accept the fact they're going to get half. Most players are going to. The owners are probably trying to give them forty percent, you know, because of lost fan revenue and stuff. So, yep. You know, but they get you know if you play eighty games, you got to take half, right? You know, and then whatever playoff pot of money there is. I, I, I would th- I think for the owners, even though they'll lose money, they'll all lose money this year. They should accept that and say, okay, we'll give you half, right? Yeah. 80 games, we'll give you half, and uh, our revenues will be down. But uh, That's what I said. Eat it. Eat it know, for one year, yeah. billionaires. Yeah, please. because the, the PR of oh. playing is so much greater yep. than the PR of fighting over dollars. It's It's ridiculous. Yep. Um, Has anybody bought a team lately that needs uh, that uh, really needs the money? Or is it most of these? We haven't had any new owners lately. Yeah, I don't so. think we have any. Uh, who, like, who was that Dodgers owner from like ten years ago? Oh yeah, that guy who who's like money for himself. Yeah, I don't think we have anyone like that right now. No. So yeah, okay. All right, Pat. Hopefully well, eighty. I'm fine with it. We'll talk to you on Wednesday on this show, and people can still find Roycey Unchained, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com. You guys are recording a little bit, uh, well, in like an hour here. So we'll talk to you Wednesday, Pat. All right, gents. See you, Roycey. Right, that is rapping with Roycey here. He is something else, man. Tough to get a word in edgewise or a question I struggled today on twice. I got, I got stopped. That's okay, though. We should act, so we've got our good question standings That's right. here on Mackie and Judd. Yep. We should also have an interrupted by Pat while trying to ask a question standings. I'm always trying to guess. Uh, that's what I'm the Michael a, Jordan of, by the way, getting interrupted by Pat. My question is, it's weird, because there's sometimes there's pauses in which case you think you can jump in to start your next uh, point or question, but then there's sometimes just a pregnant Roycey pause, which is going to be followed by a different thought. So if you get in there... It's just like a truck hits you. It's tough. You yeah. just get steamrolled. Yeah, and like that truck's not stopping. So, oh hell, get out of the no. way. That, that was like me covering the Gopher hockey team for fifteen hundred ESPN a few years ago, asking questions to Don Lucia. Don Lucia would never let you finish a question because he already knew how it was going to end. He knew what he wanted to he deliver knew for exactly an answer. Exactly what yeah. he wanted oh, to say. The Don that's man. That. That's how you stick around for two decades in college hockey. So you can help if you're uh, if you're looking to help our show, and we would really appreciate if you would. As we try to keep this Score North mission going forward, you can help our show and Score North in general by doing one of three things or all of three things. Give us a five star rating and a positive review on Apple, Mackie and Judd, and also uh, Purple Daily. Number two, subscribe to our Score North YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Score North, where we crank out daily Vikings content as part of Purple Daily. And number three, Tell five friends about Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily. If you enjoy our show and if you want to support, the best thing you can do is spread the word about what we're doing here and tell your friends to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or go to scorenorth.com. See you guys tomorrow.